Hello, and welcome to the Far Away Nearby. This is a special episode. I feel like I'm a time traveler here. We are betwixt three different time zones as I'm recording this, and I have a couple of special guests that will be joining me shortly, but uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. For those of you who listen to my solo show, surely you jest which you can find at syjpodcast.wordpress.com. You'll know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes, but I'm just going to take a moment to check in with you here so we can get you caught up as we journey on down the road in the carriage and we pick up some uh, potential guests and customers and travelers. So a little bit like uh, the doctor for those of you who are fans of Doctor Who. We're just traveling along and having some companions visit now and then. So here in not-quite-Apple country, uh, we've been on a journey for the past month or so. We have a poor senior kitty who is uh, on the road to recovery. Being as uh, who I'm married to, who I am, and uh, in simpler terms, hubby Billy has been known to be called the cat whisperer. Uh, <laughs> he can take any animal, I swear, and turn them into a love bug. I was not about to scold him because this meant that he was getting better and that he was returning to his old self. And in fact, as I am recording this, Mr. Oliver is laying in the bathroom sink. Very much a uh, sort of a, a kitten moment where he wants to be cradled and he wants to be in close Orders. So, Mr. Oliver is on the mend, and we couldn't be happier. Also, uh, before we continue into uh, the main part of our show here, for those of you who may not have caught it yet, I am now doing another show with Mr. Toppy Smelly of the Smellcast. We have a twice-monthly live program about film and television trivia called Matinee Minutia. And if you will, please join us on Friday, October 26th for our next episode. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to univospods.net and click the radio tower to listen in and click on Discord to enter the chat room. So... We're just going to continue on down the lane here, and oh, I look ahead there. There there seem to be two gentlemen on the side of the road, so let's see if they'd like to join us. Um, hello there, sir. You uh, you look like you're visiting from overseas. Um, can I uh, ask you to climb aboard? Are you interested in a ride today? Wonderful. And uh, for those of you who don't recognize the dulcet tones, we have the privilege of the company of Mr. Paul of the Shy Life. Hello, Paul. Hello. How are you? How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Yes, very good. Good to, good to see you. Good to see you. Excellent. We'll climb aboard here. And uh, who's your friend here? It looks like uh, this This may be of a more local boy, although he's a little sun-kissed. He might be from the West Coast. <laughs> hello, sir. And uh, Get away from me, you creepy bit. Oh, hello. Hi. How are you? Well, now. That's <laughs> <laughs> good day, good day. Climb aboard here, sir. So, uh, our guest from the Golden Coast is Mr. Matt Burlingame of Chubbs Gone Wild. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm wild, of course. Hi. Absolutely. So, we're just going to go for a nice little ride here in the park. And uh, if you've been a listener recently, you'll know that um, the uh, the jester that I am, the carriage driver part-time, is uh, between gigs right now. I'm, I'm waiting for my next contract, but it's a good time of the year for rides in the park, so we will just go with that for the time being. So <laughs> we are brought here today by our love of television, our love of sitcoms, and more specifically... 
we're going to be talking about British sitcoms who have inspired American remakes. So we'll all take a turn. And of course, I think we'll we'll bow to the time zones here, of course. So uh Paul, if yeah. you would please, sir, uh you know, what brings you here today and uh what would you like to talk about first? Well, I mean, the the shows that uh I, I've been most interested in are some of the, the ones that uh, were, were big in the UK, but uh, didn't necessarily uh, do so well when they, it, it was a bit of an eye opener, really, quite how many of our shows had gone to pilot stage um, in, in the States. Because obviously I, I know about uh, how well, like The Office did, um, with, with both, both sides of the pond. And... Um, Obviously, you know that was one of those shows that ran far longer in the in the states than than it did in England. Although um, I think Ricky Gervais kind of moved on to other projects, so it wasn't like it did it. It was a I guess it was a two or three year project for him, and then he went on to extras. Um, there was uh, you know he went on for I don't know was it nine or ten seasons, um, and obviously so you've, you've got you've got The Office doing really well and. And then things like Queer as Folk, which um, again was a sort of quite a short series in the in the UK, but then went to being a really successful show and and much a, a longer show in in the states. But I mean, those are the two obvious. Uh, when you mentioned doing this, those are the two I thought of of a, a successful re, sort of remakes. But looking at the sort of Wikipedia and various different other sources, the amount of shows that. Uh, Perhaps just went to a pilot. I mean, shows like "Are You Being Served" that um, went on for years in the UK. Um, I think just went to like being a, like an unaired pilot um, uh, in in the state in the states. And you know, there, there were, there's a, literally so many shows that um, you know that, that that just never really took off for whatever reason. Um, I, I remember hearing. Um, that, um, that you know, sometimes you, you you hear people sort of saying, "Well, the trouble is, they took my idea, but they didn't consult me. They just took the idea and they, um, you know, the, the, they didn't even consult me, or they just tried to to make the episode like remake the episode without taking into consideration that it, we're in a different country. These references don't work." Um, but um, the thick of it, I think that that was an, an example um, wh where they may have made that show a few times and failed every time. But um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, are there any other any particular shows that um, that you wanted to ask me about that that, uh, that, that of course I I might know from them being big in in the UK? I certainly I have a couple of them that come into mind, but. Before I go into the conversation, I want to tip my hat, as it were, and thank you, fine sir, because uh, having grown up in a household that was a little bit more conservative, we only had basic cable. So, of course, uh, on uh, Friday nights, I used to hunker down in the, the family uh, den and uh, try to tune in the scrambled channel that had more uh, European programming. So... <laughs> When I tune into some of these shows, like uh, the original Queer as Folk, I'm given a little bit more of an eyeful and, you know, <laughs> try to play it quiet that I'm a good boy. But who doesn't enjoy a little quick thrill now and then? So thank <laughs> you for the the uh, the inspiration for some of these shows that we're about to discuss. <laughs> 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 so, uh, before we actually uh, talk about the couple of shows that I managed to catch, and of course, growing up, uh, for the most part during the 80s, I saw a fair share of programs that I didn't realize were originally a British show. But uh, if I could uh, turn for a moment to the West Coast, where we uh, may have somebody who's having their second cup of coffee. Um, Mr. Matt, uh, is there any particular show that comes to mind when you think about British sitcoms that have been remade? Well, uh, not necessarily sitcom uh, um, 
at the immediately comes to mind is Queer's Folk, and that's not a sitcom, but yeah, that's that's the biggest one that I think of. But um, there's so many like um, Three's Company was made into Man of the House, uh, and Whose Line Is It Anyway? That that was great over there, but man, did it take off over here when they redid it. Um, so uh, those are uh, a couple, but I'm just looking through a list and I'm like blown away by some of the shows that they redid. Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, the, the two that I managed to catch were certainly part of pop culture here in the U.S. Um, I certainly remember growing up watching with my family all in the family which of course the original british was till death to us part and i uh, it, i was interested to see that it had a similar run in the uk than it did here in the states but it took a little longer before it got off the ground of course back then we didn't have the instant communication that we have now thanks to the the wonderful internet i'm joined by two very different time zones and gentlemen from different cultures here. Um, but uh, Till Death Do Us Part in the U.S. didn't get uh, made until, I want to say, six years after Till Death Do Us Part was, and then it was turned into All in the Family, of course. But they actually had a couple of stalled attempts to launch that with a pilot for different networks. In fact, the episode of All in the Family that most people know as the pilot was the third attempt at launching that show. And, uh, of course, the two main stars there of Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton were in all three of the pilots, but they had very different actors in the roles of the daughter and son-in-law. And uh, it, it's quite interesting when you compare it to the British originals. I can see where they were trying to draw the parallels. And, uh, of course, as, as Paul mentioned, you know, unless you know the cultural references, you don't necessarily understand the translation. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but uh, the main character in Till Death Do Us Part, the husband, Alfie, he would considered working class, and if I'm not mistaken, he's supposed to be from Liverpool. Is that right? Um, I always thought of him from being, as being from London, but I, 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 I might be wrong. But no, I would, I would say, I would say he he has a, a sort of London accent, but uh, I, I, I could be wrong. You know, I, I got the impression watching in this, and this may be where um, the, the American remakes draw their inspiration from. We try to get the cultural reference and we try to put it into perspective for the American audience so they can relate with the characters. So uh, Alfie, the, the husband, until death do us part, is supposed to be working class. You know, he's, he's a man who works hard for his money, may not necessarily get paid what he deserves, but he tries to provide for his family and he tries to, um, you know, adapt in changing times. And uh, it, it seems like they were trying to draw from, you know, a, a working class background where certainly he may have had a hard labor type of job. And here in the States, uh, you know, in, in uh, more recent history, we, we look back to the pages of like what we call our Great Depression of the 40s. And, uh, you know, industrialization and we have the the monopolies that grew up from uh, companies like, uh, you know, J.P. Morgan and U.S. Steel. So that's one of the, the parallels that I saw was that when when we made Queer as Folk, for example, we put it in a, a town in America that was considered to be related with uh, hardworking men that had hard labor jobs in the steel industry. And so, you know, till death do us part, the, the husband is supposed to have come from a, a working background. He, he breaks his back all day to come home to his family. And of course, he can't sit and just enjoy his beer at the end of the day because 
what's happening under his roof isn't comfortable to him. You know, he's he's got a daughter who's marrying outside of her quote unquote class. Now, in in the British original Till Death to His Part, that young gentleman, and uh, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but he is a a scholarly type. You know, he he uh, he's certainly not the same type of guy that Elfie would have rubbed elbows with in the pub. Sure. Um, I, I, I was sort of looking into this earlier and um, it, it said the, tr- the trouble, uh, slightly the trouble with the show was that the writer um, always claimed that he wrote the series to sort of challenge racism and those sort of peak characters. The trouble is the show was watched by people who agreed with, 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 the, char- with the character and didn't necessarily see the, um, the, the 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 sort of parody or the the, the social commentary. Um, I mean, there was a. I don't even. I don't even know whether um, the character Ali G ever got over to America, but he was supposed to be a parody on a sort of a, a sort of rapper and and a sort of hip hop sort of person. But he he was a parody. But there was a period over here where he was popular, where the people who were liking him were people who thought he was heroic rather than a bit stupid. Um, <laughs> So, so the trouble is, yeah, when you're doing these things, people don't always realise that you're quite what your take is. They just see the character for what the character appears to be on the screen. He was known as Alf Garnet in the UK version, um, and a- according to Wikipedia, he was, uh, yeah, he was he was supposed to be from the East End, so that that is London. Well, I think there is some mention of a character being called a Scouse Git, and and Scouse is a nickname for Liverpudlians from Liverpool. So there obviously was some Liverpool connection with the original show. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that maybe those were his roots and where he came to, uh, you know, move to maybe where he, he met his wife and where he decided to raise his family was different from where he grew up. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Yeah. I get that impression from the American remake, All in the Family. Now, I was too young when it originally aired to catch some of the references, but now as I'm watching it more recently, I get the impression that while Archie, the American counterpart, is certainly, you know, a, a, a working class, uh, you know, hard labor type man, um, the American references are that, you know, he might be from somewhere like Brooklyn or one of the the, the boroughs and his wife, Edith, uh, and you don't really, I, I don't know, um, my impression is that she's from somewhere nearby but certainly somewhere that's a little bit culturally different. Uh, in our case, I think it was New Jersey. Would you say that I'm possibly right, Matt? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Because yeah. one of the, the things that uh, was so interesting about the show is not only did To Dust Do Us Part and All in the Family discuss issues of racism and, and class but generations too and you know um i think more so in the american remake than the british original the housewife she was led to you know play along she's supposed to back her husband up and she was supposed to quote unquote play stupid but there were glimmers in there where gene stapleton as edith came shining through and it's like uh no she's smart in fact i watched the uh the pilot episode and uh they had a a um a young couple that were friends with the the daughter and son-in-law in In this case it was gloria and mike and they had friends who were basically hippies uh for the time that were coming to stay overnight, but they weren't married. And the discussion was this couple isn't legally married and they're staying under our roof. We can't have them share a bed. And they were talking about, uh, you know, married life. And Archie was saying with Edith in the conversation, there's more to life than just being happy. And Edith just on the corner there, she leans and she's like, Oh, isn't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I've only watched the first episode of the the British version, and of course, in reruns, I've seen the you know the American version quite a bit. Um, it, it's interesting though because when I was watching the American version, 
of course, I was always on Meathead's side, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, Archie is like, you know, racist and out there and everything. Um, and it was very different when I watched the UK version. Now, I again, I've only seen the first episode, but the son-in-law character was such a... Um, in, in that first version, I because... You know, I I could sympathize very much with the Archie character because he's like worked all his life and done exactly what he was told. And, uh, you know, um, he provided he had a family. He provided he had a house. It wasn't that great. He worked, you know, long hours. He did all this stuff. And here comes this, you know, uh, modern. (laughs) outsider (laughs) well yes but i don't even want to say that i mean he would you know okay he's supposed to be educated and all this but he was an arrogant ass Mm -hmm. you know and so uh i really was turned off by that character to whereas in the american version you know i was much more drawn to mike uh mike's character mike and gloria but with Archie too. And I think one of the reasons that it really worked and resonated with America on both sides of the, you know, the, the issues that it presented was that Archie really was a product of his times and the locate the part where the country was in that time. I mean, he was, uh, you know, uh, caught in a, let's say upper lower class, you know, maybe, maybe lower middle class at that time, um, culture. And he was doing everything that the heterosexual American dream told him to do. He had a family, he had a job that he, you know, was basically going to probably kill him early, uh, <laughs> because of all the work. Um, and he, he had a daughter and he provided and he had a house and it wasn't much, but he, you always got the sense that he did what he was expected to do by society at that time. He was living the American dream always with the hope that things would get better. But I think that if he had taken, if he had been taken out of that realm, which of course would not have worked for the character that he probably would have been more uh, open to, you know, other cultures and things like that. But. And I think that, you know, this this certainly displays the talent of the people playing those roles, because having done a little bit of reading about Carol O'Connor, and, and this was somebody who happened to be one of my father's favorite actors, of course. I remember my dad used to watch In the Heat of the Night, which Carol O'Connor did after All in the mm-hmm. Family. Yes. But, you know, very different roles. And here we have the working class man coming home who may be a little bit ignorant to culture because he's not immediately accepting of his son-in-law, but he tries to you know, present the argument of what's acceptable in his world. The background of Carol O'Connor was that uh, you know, he came from an, an Irish-rooted family, but he went to college in Montana, of all places, mm. met his future wife, and then chose to relocate himself to Ireland, and lived there for a while before coming back to the state. And then he tried to make it in theater before he ended up becoming a high school teacher, which was just before he was picked up for his role in All in the Family. So it is somebody who has what might be considered an intellectual background is now having to play this part, which, you know, uh, in all honesty, could have been more like their parents. He, he could have been drawing it from a mother or a father figure. So it, it's certainly a generational perspective. Let's see, from the the, uh, the UK there, Dr. Paul, I know yeah. this uh, show, Till Death Do Us Part, came out before you were a twinkle in the eye, of course. Yeah, I was just, I was just looking at uh, uh, that because um, the original pilot was uh, 22nd of July, 1965. Um, and it and it ran its first run from June '66, February '68, but um, a lot of these early episodes were wiped in the same way as early Doctor Who and quite a lot of other programs in the BBC in that in that sort of period. Uh, there are some examples that still exist, but then it, it um, 
according to Wikipedia, there was a special episode in 1970, and then it ran again from 72 to 75. But I think, if anything, I'm, I'm almost more aware of In Sickness and In Health, which was a series which still had Alf Garner in, which ran from about 85 to 92. Um, so this character of Alf Garner, he, he sort of covered quite a, a, a sort of long time period so i guess he perhaps was challenged more in, in later episodes as um you know the society had changed and maybe he hadn't so i think it'd probably be quite interesting if you watched you know certain different episodes throughout the, the run and compared sort of how he was sort of how he had to deal with times changing now if i'm not mistaken in sickness and in health was that considered a spin-off of sorts well it's kind of considered a sequel rather than a spin-off because um, it was it was made after the show had stopped for a while and, and almost 10 years after. So I guess it was a sequel rather than a spin-off. Oh. But I know, I know you had spin-offs of All in the Family. Right. Those those didn't seem to be very long-lived. In fact, they, they had a spin-off uh, of All in the Family where Gloria had left her husband. I'm forgetting the name of it, but she was to become a veterinarian. Am I right, Matt? Did you catch that? I that's very vaguely familiar. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just remember Archie's place, uh-huh. but but um, except for and and another note, which you're probably going to bring up. So uh, you know, not only did it have its spinoffs, but that was one of the show that literally launched. I don't know how many other shows like the Jeffersons and Maud, and there were character spinoffs from that show like crazy. Oh, and of course you're talking about the the creator of the All in the family remake Norman Lear Norman Lear who was just a television uh powerhouse yeah and and still is um with some of I mean some of his shows are being remade from the American versions now but uh yeah uh he introduced characters that were on that show and then loved them so much he spun them off into other series that did ran for years so uh, I've, I've actually seen um quite recently seen some episodes of Maud, probably more than I've ever seen all in the family I, I'm one of these what I was what I was going to say is I, I I don't know for sure um how many of these remakes were shown over here because considering when all in the family was made it may have been shown over here perhaps in the 70s or early 80s before I was watching TV. Uh, I mean, for instance, with Maud, I only literally bought that because we'd been watching um, The Golden Girls and I wanted to see something else with B. Arthur in, so I bought the first season. Um, now, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I was just wondering, how do you, uh, what do you think about Maud? Because it's a very American show for that time period and it was considered extremely, like, I don't want to say subversive, but like, you know, like when she had an abortion and, uh, oh, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> you know, th- things like that were considered like hugely controversial here. And I just wonder how how they translate to you. I've, I, I, I was enjoying it. I, I, I do have the problem of having far too many DVDs. So I watch a handful of episodes and then get distracted by um something else so i, I do need to go back and watch some more but i was i was, I was enjoying and i was enjoying seeing you know sort of how, how different the character of maud was from other things i've seen um the arthur in um and, and yeah i'm just i'm kind of interested and it's something that i'm exploring through some of my sort of conversations with with uh toppy as as well uh, about you know sometimes i i I've occasionally chatted to, to Toppy Smelly and asked sort of this show, so-and-so, you know, what, would you recommend it? Because I'm kind of a, a sort of interested in TV history, but not just UK TV history. I'm interested in, you know, US and, and Australia particularly. Um, there's lots out there to explore. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very into uh, seven, um, late 60s through early 80s uh, British uh, sitcoms, especially mm. 70s sitcoms are, are like my forte. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Australia, Paul, you you uh, tilt us in a, a good direction because the original Till Death to Us part that inspired All in the Family had some connection there because the actress who played the wife in Till Death to Us part in later years wasn't in such a good health and they decided to write out her character where she ends up getting a divorce from her husband and she moves in with her sister who lives in Australia conveniently. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I think she was I think she eventually returns it in uh, in um, in sickness and in health because I remember 
although I think she possibly died whilst it was being made. But I, I do remember, um, I think her character, and maybe I'm not sure whether the actress as well, um, was in a wheelchair. And I remember sort of at the Afghanic character wheeling his wife around in a wheelchair um, and obviously, you know, not being the best uh, nursemaid. Um, and, um, yeah, the, there's... Uh, the, there was a sort of time when you you saw repeats quite a lot, um, but maybe because they're worried that some of a lot of what is the language that is used, um, people wouldn't see it as they just find it offensive. Now they wouldn't necessarily see the irony or the um, realize that it was a, a sort of comment on on society and and those people people with views like that. Yeah, I I was only slightly surprised because I I know of course uh, it, it's somewhat evident if you watch enough uh european and uk programming that um you know things like uh modesty have a different tone there you know certainly it may be more cultural accepted for somebody being naked for example whereas here we we uh, well you one only has to look for um undergarments in the retail industry here to see that we're practically in victorian times so. <laughs> <laughs> that little bit of flesh is a little bit more controversial even now. But, uh, you know, watching Till Death to Us Part, I, I was a little surprised, even though Archie in All in the Family certainly uh, caused enough controversy in some of his views. He was a little bit of a potty mouth in the UK, and uh, I'm, I'm watching an episode where they happen to be in a pub, and um, you know they're in mixed company. They're all there after a day, possibly, and uh, some some local celebrities in media there show up in this episode. And of course, being the the ignorant American uh, who might be a generation removed, I don't recognize the guest star of the week. But uh, along with them is a black couple. And of course, the the man in the couple ends up being a a singer. But you're led to believe that this is just the you know differently raced couple hanging out with the other celebrity. And there there's a racial epithet mentioned there. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, this is the mid to late '60s. I thought we made progress, but even on TV, that was allowed at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think this is probably one of those reasons that I've never really. I think. By the time I was watching TV, his, even if it is a commentary, supposedly, or it, it's just it's just not enjoyable. From I don't find it enjoyable to hear that sort of language. I find it sort of almost depressing that uh, that there were ever these views so close to sort of time when I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I, th- there there are some shows that sort of cover those differences in. In a, in a, I think a subtler way. Um, there's a show called Rising Damp, which I don't know. Let's check this list, but I don't think. Not sure if that was ever remade um, in the states. But that was about a landlord who, who, and, and the various tenants he had, and one of the. If you like this show, head on over to the Vogue Network, the Voice of Geeks, where you'll find podcasts for your World of Warcraft fix like the fabulous Girls Gone Wow, and a show about games old and new with Electric Sisterhood over at vognetwork.com. He wasn't sort of like an Afghani um, quite as much, but he did ha- have, there was a, a, a black character who lived, who was one of his tenants, but he was like a um, white sort of from um, upper class but he would play, he would turn it on Rigsby, who was the landlord. Yeah, the, he would he would turn the sort of stereotypes and, and you could tell that the black character was laughing at um, the landlord character and it and it and it's still when you watch it now, it doesn't feel sort of offensive. You're kind of laughing with black character and um, it works in a way that perhaps it can feel awkward when you're watching old episodes of Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I recently watched Dad's Army. Mm-hmm. It's a show that uh, actually, speaking of, it tried to get, uh, they tried to do it here with a show called uh, The Rear Guard in 1976. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went, uh, <laughs> but uh, so Dad's Army ran for like 10 10 years yeah. i think um yeah. or 10 season series um and uh for anyone that doesn't know it's um it was uh 1968 to 77 and the sitcom yeah 
uh, nine series, 80 episodes, and it was basically about um, older, what, uh, older ex-soldiers or people that uh, were doing, they were the British Home Guard, basically, so they were yeah. protecting the shores. Um, anyway, I, I was watching that, and there were a few episodes where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they used the most race, like today here especially in america the things that they said there were so racist and i mean they just came out and blurted it out like it was nothing and it was just so shocking that there, there were us you know yeah. well there were a few i mean those not to forgive it but that was that it was sort of set in the second world war um but then it was made from as you say from the 60s into the 70s mm-hmm. yeah it was very Sorry, I was going to say it's kind of regarded as sort of sitcom royalty over here, up there, probably more so even than um, Are You Being Served and, and, uh, it, and uh, or sort of level with like a 40 Towers or whatever. The episodes I've, for years I didn't touch it because I kind of thought it was just going to, it, was, it wasn't quite my area of interest, but I can, I, I'm quite fickle. I can kind of, suddenly I wake up one morning and, and, and something will trigger me off and I'll be like, oh, Dad's Army. And I had a Dad's Army phase. Um, and I bought books and I, I bought some, some DVDs and yeah, I didn't, you know, I watched a handful of episodes, but I, I don't think, I don't think I've necessarily seen as maybe as many as you have, Matt. And I hadn't noticed that, um, that the references, but, uh, it's possible that I just haven't seen enough episodes yet. Yeah. They yeah. just flat out use the N word yeah. with yeah. like, no, like it's nothing. Um, yeah. and of course it is a different time. I mean, even shows here from like the early eighties, I was watching, um, uh, a Mary Tyler, what is it? A Mary Tyler Moore, uh, like some sort of, uh, variety hour. And David Letterman was on there and made, um, a crack that Canadians coming across the border were called icebacks. And I just was like, <gasps> what, you know, mm-hmm. to where I'm like, now that's very offensive. But, you know, even in like 1980, everybody was laughing and it was just like no big deal. It's so there's, there's, a, there's a very quirky show from the 70s that's, that that's kind of has been it was popular at the time, but it's more got more of a cult following these days called a show called The Goodies, which I don't think, again, never hmm. made it to the States, at least, at least as far as being a remake. But those were just three sort of quirky characters. But occasionally, you know, I've watched episodes, and I think even when I watched them in the 90s on sort of repeat channels, I really enjoyed them. But more recently, when they started releasing them on DVD, I noticed when there were like perhaps episodes where they do parodies on things like the Black and White Minstrel Show, which was like a program which um, where people would sort of black up to sing sort of musical... Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 watching that more recently, I, I just couldn't find anything funny about it. It was just seemed so offensive, more so than it was even when I saw it in the nineties. Yeah, uh, and and I think sometimes it's the trouble with these things is that the the humor dies over time because people's views change. And uh, some of these seventies shows we've discussed. Um, my partner and I have watched them, and some of the the, the homophobia in some of them um, is difficult to watch, and sometimes you just can't get over it because it kills the comedy. Um, um, and it's very much, I think, personal taste whether you can watch it thinking, okay, this is 1970, or or whether you can just go, no, this is dead for me. I'm sorry, I just can't enjoy it. it, it right? Yeah, like uh, there was a, a episode of blackface in uh, Are You Being Served. Yeah, uh, where they did a, a huge number, um, and they were all like in kind of blackface, and I was like, I, I I was able to easily get over that because I loved the show so much, and I'm like, okay, it was at times, but wow. But if they did that, if like the show did that now, it's like they'd probably be canceled. Well, sometimes you find like there's a very famous Doctor Who story called Talents of Wang Chiang. And the one of them, the main character, is supposed to be Chinese, but he's played by an English actor who's just had makeup applied. I think that was probably happened quite a lot in the seventies, where they didn't sort of bother to find sort of right. Well, that's that's what they did here uh, in that era with um, Asians. They had white people playing Asians and uh, Native Americans. I have a perfect example of that, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to another show that I watched that was a Britcom. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
not long ago, a a film caught my eye in the bargain bin. And it was one of those movies that they've given a sort of a retro cover to get interest in the younger generation. But it was a 60s film that was one of Julie Andrews' early films. And she starred in it, coincidentally, with somebody that Matt was just talking about, Mary Tyler Moore. And this was a film called Thoroughly Modern Millie. Oh, yes. <laughs> and watching that, it is, it, it's a very um, campy film, very enjoyable but it depicts perfectly what Matt was talking about with stereotypes. They have a very decidedly white woman portraying an Asian role who was the the front office manager of this this women's hotel. And to make matters worse, they did make an effort. This is part of the backstory. They made an effort to be culturally sensitive. And one of the people involved in the cast was very well later on known Pat Morita, who was, of course, in Happy Days and in Karate Kid. And it's been uh, told that he was consulted whether this was okay, being a man of Asian descent. And he said, oh, yeah, let's play it up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the other show that I managed to catch that I caught the original of in States, well, not the original, but the remake of here in the States growing up was another Norman Lear show. And this was Three's Company. Now, the British original was called Man of the House. And come to find out, this is one of those examples where it didn't really take hold in the UK. It, it had a few years that it ran. But when it was remade here in the States, it nearly caught fire. And uh, gentlemen, uh, let me know your thoughts on this. Uh, Paul, first... Did you watch Man of the House? It was certainly made a little bit later than Till Death Do Us Part, but you might have been well, your young years. Well, the funny thing is, um, <laughs> I, I don't. It's one of those shows that I hadn't, um, I hadn't watched until very recently. Um, <laughs> the, the weird thing is, I've been going through quite a lot of these seventy shows that I, I only vaguely remember, and I actually came to it um, by way of its spin-off. A show, a show called George and Mildred, um, which mm-hmm. had characters called the Ropers, who I think may have had their own show in the Three's Company version as well. Um, the, the, there was a, a particular actress called Eutha Joyce, who's I sort of always remembered, and 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 she was sort of quite a sort of well a strong female character. And you know how much uh, how much we all enjoy our strong female characters in shows. So I I recent, quite recently watched George and Mildred really enjoyed it and so went back to man about the house and I've, I've got the box set of man about the house and also man about the house it had his own sort of sequel called robin's nest um mm-hmm. I've bought all of these shows and I'm, I'm currently watching man about the house so I, I literally have watched man about the house in the last sort of six months and that's one of the shows where i was in quite i quite enjoyed it but the premise um this was the slight premise is that um the, the landlords, the Ropers, who are also in Man About the House before they have their own sitcom, have their own spin-off, um, they, they don't want a man to be living, you know, it's supposed to be, they're, they're renting out this flat, but it's supposed to be women only. And so they get around it by um, the male character pretending he's gay, because that, oh, well, in that case, the women will be fine sort of thing. Nothing, nothing's going to be happening. But just some of the... Some of the the things, the ways it's referred to, uh, it's one of those examples where my partner wasn't didn't find it funny and found it sort of offensive. But I felt when I watched it, the way that it was dealt with was that it, yeah. So the landlord is homo- a little bit homophobic or or whatever, but the the girl, the girls in the house aren't. They're supportive of you know they they, they you can tell that they're quite sort of liberal. You know, there's a couple of there's a couple of references that, um, but. I think the heart's in the right place. I didn't find it unwatchable. Um, Now, the American remake was almost a carbon copy in terms of pilot, and it's scene for scene. As I'm watching Man About the House and then re-watching Three's Company, a lot of that carries over. Now, I I didn't pay enough attention to notice uh, in terms of the the, uh, relations, the, the party, the way the the new roommate enters the scene is that he was invited by a friend who a friend of a friend situation. The, the old roommate's moving out, and they're thinking of getting a new ra- roommate. 
but it happens by a uh, happy accident because the new roommate is the guy they find asleep in the bathtub after the party. And of course, the the British original man about the house, uh, the the man that is in the tub, Robin, he was there because uh, he was uh, you know a friend of a friend. But the guy that he knew his connection was somebody that was looking for a roommate. And of course, he ends up calling him and uh, putting two and two together on the phone that the the gentleman offering the room to rent is gay. And so I think that's that's part of the connection where he thinks, well, I'm not gay, but can I, you know, can I live with it? And then, of course, the, the women already living there, um, the, the uh, one character whose name is Chrissy in the British version and a different Chrissy in the American version, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cooks up the idea of, oh, we could pretend for him to be gay and it would be okay for him to live here. <laughs> But yeah, it it uh, certainly carries on. You know the the ideas that our attitudes have changed, and certainly I feel personally, at least having been young, uh, a child actually, when uh, the Three's Company show was out, it might have planted a seed in my mind that on some level it is okay to be gay because this guy who's supposed to be a ladies' man is living with these two women and, you know, it, it it's, it's accepted because they think he's gay. Mm. And so I think that in some way that helped me later on in life uh, to, to think some people think that it's okay to be gay and, you know, it must be all right because this guy was allowed to live there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the worst that can be said is that they, they don't, the women don't find the gay character threat, the idea of a gay man threatening, um, you know, and they probably sort of think of them in, a, in terms of being a friend that you could rely on to, to talk about boy troubles or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I... I I kind of, I kind of didn't find it offensive to watch. I found it sort of, um, sort of quite charming, and with the, and the characters and and um, I really like the Roper characters in, in it. Uh, the, the the wife definitely, oh, yeah. uh, Mildred definitely sort of is, is the head of the family yeah, as far as the the two characters, George and Mildred. And, and having been more familiar with the American Three's Company, I, I found it interesting because, you know, Mildred, the, the landlord's wife, seemed a little sexier in in your original version there. She was she seemed more like a cougar to me, at least. And, and Matt, I know that you, uh, you know, you're probably a fan of Three's Company. But how, oh yes. How did you feel about Mrs. Roper? Was I, she the cougar that she was in the UK? I loved Mrs. Roper. I think that she was one of the she was one of the best things about that and about that series. She's just um and uh, what was Audrey Audrey Lynn Lindsay? Was that who played her? I believe so. Um I I thought she she made the show and she was perfect to play opposite of um Mr. Roper. Yeah she just she shined in that so it was kind of sad when they when they left yeah. i mean they went to left to go do their own show but i think that only lasted like a season right yes uh, audra lindley played mrs roper yeah, she's brilliant and i think that audra lindley may have been one of the cast that had more of a theater background mm, i can definitely see that yeah uh the the show was um of course, uh, John Ritter was my first TV crush. I saw him in. There's this one episode where he's uh, completely shirtless, and well, actually, he just got a, has a pillow in front of him, and uh, I think it jump started my <laughs> my oh look, Harry Chess, wow. Um, but uh, it, it was it was one of those shows that I think. Obviously, uh, just saying the word gay to gay kids who have no role models was interesting enough. Um, but I think it, it was one of those shows that was a staple for our generation, especially growing up being teenagers. Well, for me, I was a teenager. Uh, well, very early, like, you know, 11, 12, uh, when, I, when it was uh, in its prime. Um, so it was brilliant, but I actually have the first uh, season of the British version on DVD, 
but I haven't gotten to really sit down and watch it much more than the first episode. Uh, well, if your season, your seasons are a lot longer than uh, the, the, a lot of our, our shows are only six six episodes a season. Right. Yeah. I think I think sometimes they did two seasons a year. Particularly with Man About the House, it only lasted for three years, but it was on uh, it was on twice a year, and also they made a movie of it. Where they used to make movies of a lot of the seventies. Um, yes. Did you ever watch the Are You Being Served movie? Yes, I. I it's it's it, I bought a copy of that recently because I bought a set of. I didn't feel like like I'd ever seen enough of Are You Being Served. So I bought the box set, which didn't have the movie. So I bought the movie. To me, to me, uh, if you've seen the, the Carry On films. Um, it, it, it's very much like um, I being served does carry mm-hmm. on, um, and, and I, 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 in fact, I, I, I do remember that being shown on TV quite a lot. The movie at one stage, yeah, it was basically like they took uh, the best bits from almost all the shows and then kind of added a, a, a few different newer things and threw it all together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought it was horrible, but I, I I have it and I love it because it's them. But it was horrible. Well, a lot of the films can be, uh, you know, uh, seen as that too, because there are a few Doctor Who movies that were made standalone mm-hmm. um, series that some consider awful. <laughs> with Peter with Peter Cushing as the as the Doctor. Yes, I have to catch them because, of course, I can't say that I haven't seen them because suddenly you end a conversation opportunity when you're in nerd company. <laughs> <laughs> when the time they made them, they didn't know anything about time lords or anything. So I think he was just a mad professor that, uh, uh the second film is particularly, um, both the Doctor Who movies are about Daleks stories. And the second one, uh, Dalek invasion of earth is particularly good because a lot of it's done on location. Whereas the first one is done more in the studio and, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it's bizarre. The first one did really well. The second one, is more interesting to watch, but didn't do as well. So they never did a third one. But uh. <laughs> so earlier you talked about catching uh, our show Maud, which was another Norman Lear creation, and it was a, one of the several spinoffs of All in the Family. Now it was interesting because I was watching a reunion program online of the cast of the American Three's Company, and Richard Klein, who plays the uh, the best friend of the, the Jack character, the American counterpart of Robin, and uh, certainly a neighbor, he mentions having been on Maud with B. Arthur before he was you know, picked up for... When I was looking into this, I noticed that there was also a spin-up off of, of uh, Three's Company called Three's a Crowd, which only lasted for one season. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I, there was, I think there was actually a, uh, wasn't there a British spinoff that was the same thing as that, but it was called like Empty Nest or something? Yeah, Robin, Robin's Nest, yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the spinoff from All in the, or not All in the Family, Three's Company, and thinking, oh, this is cute, you know, Jack and his girlfriend are moving off, but that's when it sort of got serious, and it's just like, wait, He's not pretending to be gay anymore. <laughs> yeah, it just it didn't have there. It, it was there was something missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you what it was, but uh, yeah, yeah, it just it fell flat. I think I'm going to need to see some some um, some uh, Three's Company episodes, especially anywhere he takes his shirt off. So do let me know any particular episodes. <laughs> oh yes, I just it's such a great series, and it it still stands up. It's corny. It's slapsticky. But John Ritter was such a comic genius that he just pulled it together. And I still say that um, Suzanne Summers, they they did so bad by her. Matt, did you have a preference of Mr. Roper versus Mr. Furley? I I like the Ropers much better. I think they did way over the top with Mr. Furley. But I will say that Jack and Mr. Furley, when they would end up getting in very physical comedy, they played really well together and it was funny absolutely apparently um john ritter was a big fan of slapstick comedy and he liked some of the comic stylings of jerry lewis and when they would be on the set but maybe not 
filming, he would, you know, reenact uh, bits from Jerry Lewis's act. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, Jerry actually uh, in his day did some funny stuff. Yes, before he became just, older and bitter. <laughs> and a huge jerk, yes. <laughs> Is there any other show that was remade that you'd like to discuss? Um, There's so many. I, I don't, I, I, well, you know, it was something actually, I'll bring this up and see what you guys think. Um, As how there there's a lot of shows that they tried to do here, and we talked a little bit, just kind of touched on it in the beginning, that just fell flat here because of the cultural differences. Um, and a couple of them were like, uh, are you being served? They did Beans of Boston, which actually I didn't think was too bad, but um, I, I think that it flopped because that's not our shopping culture here. Um, so I think there's a lot of shows like, like have, have you guys seen To the Manor Born? Yes, yes. Yeah, that would not work here. <laughs> Even with the class system, uh, nobody would get it. Like, it, it would not, it, there's no translation of it here. Now, that was, one such, of, a big, that was such a big show, show over here as well, but I can see what you mean totally. Yeah. Um, and then another show that you guys were talking, well, in the same vein that you guys were talking about was um, Who's the Boss? That actually had a British version that ran for a, a good amount of time. But when I was watch, I started watching it on Netflix, uh, or not Netflix, but um, YouTube. And the first few episodes were, except for changing the names, you know, to British names, were like the exact same script. I mean, almost word for word. So, and I haven't seen a lot of shows that that do that. But uh, there's other shows like uh, Broadchurch. They tried to do one here called Grace Point. Um, yeah. And that nah. just didn't work. But I think one of the things that's great now is that with our digital age um, and, and the way that things are now, we don't, uh, Americans don't want American versions of British shows. We want the British shows like the Doctor Who's and the, and even, you know, Broadchurch and the, um, and the weird thing, didn't the, the American version of Broadchurch, David Tennant came and played the character he played in, in Broadchurch, which sounds bizarre as well. So, um. Yeah. Uh, or, um, oh, what was the other one? I was just thinking, uh, Sherlock, um, you know, the, we want the British shows. We don't want remix now because we can, we have easier access to them. What do you guys think about that? It is sometimes interesting to see. And look, if they do them well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, for instance, you know, I, I, I finally got around to, but for ages, Queer as Folk, the American version, wasn't that easy to get hold of. It was never shown on TV here. Um, I remember borrowing a copy of, somebody had a copy, like a Region 1 version of, the first season but now it's available in the right region and i've got the whole box set so at some point i'm going to sit and watch the american queer folk all the way uh, all the way through so, so i don't mind if people do a good job of it um and sometimes you know even improve um and, and, and vice and vice versa but uh well certainly with the the, the uh, note of remakes being made there are science fiction fans that could argue that making an American version of Torchwood killed mm. they you know they brought it here to the states and it was made by Showtime and I watched it because it had uh, some actors that I follow um, Bill Pullman to drop a name is from my father's hometown so mm. of course I follow his career with interest but um, it, it just doesn't compare to the original and I think that I've read that um, John Barrowman has said that they're going to try and this may have been years in the making now they're going to try to reboot Torchwood because it's generally accepted that the American version was horrible. At yes. Least it, at least it had, you know, it was the English cast just, just continuing on in America. It wasn't like they tried to recast everybody but I know what you mean. But I don't know because it, uh, Captain Jack is supposed to not sort of age, and obviously John Barrowman is aging. <laughs> I don't know whether they are just happy now to, because they're still doing audio versions on Big Finish. Um, in, in um, I wonder whether they're just going to kind of say, okay, well, we're happy having a regular series on audio, which people buy. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, yeah. one, thing, one, one thing I wanted to mention, just going on to, is some of those shows that were really big over here that just didn't um, do anything. And I'm interested to see 
that there are like three different attempts to do Forty Towers. There's one, <laughs> yes. There's one called Chateau Snavely, which has Harvey Corman and Betty White. What uh, one called Amanda's, which had B. Arthur in, uh, and one called Pain, starring John uh, Labo. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, oh, look at yeah. I'm not even sure if these got to being sh- sh- shown. Um, or whether they just were pilots, or um, but um, you know, because obviously Forty Towers is is a um, a, a very big show uh, over here, despite there only being twelve episodes. Um, That's a very big show here too, with the with people that yeah, because it was run on our public uh, television quite a bit. I mean, that was like one of the premier British shows that Americans knew. Mm-hmm. And and I know they tried to make. Um, the, the more recently, the show The IT Crowd, they tried to make an American version of that. <laughs> I think only went, only went to pilot. Um, and, I don't and, think the pilot even got shown. Yeah. Um, and then I know Little Britain, they did Little Britain USA. But I think, again, that might be a bit like the Torchwood situation where I think it was shown over here as 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 well. Um, and so- yeah. That region coding business has, has gotten fairly old because, of course, you know, collaborating with us, uh, and I hate to incriminate you there, sir, <laughs> but we get your interest going on some of the American shows, and I know that sometimes it's hard to get to them. Well, I, I've stepped over to part of the pond. I was on sort of your shore. I visited Ireland, and I couldn't pull up some of the shows that I wanted to see, but then again, I also pulled up some shows that I couldn't. Like, I think I was able to see Little Britain when I was in my hotel in Ireland, but then here in the States, it's not on streaming <laughs> i think we might have been talking about it in one of the times we've we've, we've uh, recorded together you mentioned um that girl which i had uh, this show i just never heard of this show at all and i was thinking oh well a, a show from the six sitcom, sitcom from the 60s but i don't know about i i wonder if i'll ever get to see it and then i just happened to go on amazon prime which i have access to um and all of the seasons of that girl were there available for me to watch um, it's not available on DVD, but it's available on my TV. So I'm sort of slowly watching that go, and you're, you're, you're to thank for that, DJ. The Faraway Nearby is also a member of the Voice of Geeks Network at bognetwork.com. And one of the things that's part of that nerd geek culture is video games. So one of the things that I like to ask of my guests is uh, what your interest is in video game world. Now, I know that uh, in this busy day-to-day world that we have now our interests and things like that may have changed you might be playing candy crush on your iphone but give a give the listeners a a little uh nod in that direction sir what kind of games have you enjoyed recently i I have started playing candy crush on my my phone just this week actually because there's i think there's a version called candy crush friends which has got a yeti character (laughs) and i was like I, I was like, hey, he's cool. I'm going to have to play this game. And I also play some of the ones which are like uh, sort of quite basic ones with bubbles and things like that, making things burst. Um, I, I, but more sort of, uh, I'm a little bit addicted to the more, um, I kind of don't, I don't play anything in the mo- sort of uh, on, a, on a wider scale anymore because it, it, it I, I can be sitting there at three o'clock in the morning. But I have, did go through stages where I had boyfriends who had, um, sort of video games and they, they sort of to get me perhaps they were playing the most recent game and to get me to sort of keep me quiet in the other room they'd be like oh here we are I've set you up with uh, so I used to play things like, like Buffy the Vampire on um, uh, a video game about of Buffy the Van- Vampire Slayer and um, some of the sort of zombie type sort of Silent Hill and all those sort of things um, but I, I did find myself occasionally sort of getting up at three o'clock in the morning and sneaking back into the living room to keep playing so these these days, uh, that wouldn't be a good idea, seeing as I spend most of my time editing podcasts. So. so if you had to choose between two different types of video games, do you think that you're more of a Super Mario Brothers type? Or would you like something that has more of a challenge to it where you have to have little quests like Legend of Zelda? <laughs> probably, probably things with um, quests. Although I did find when I did play games like that, sometimes I get to the point where I just wasn't up for doing you know it, the, the the way the way of getting through things i'd end up going on sites which would tell me how to get not exactly beats but how <laughs> but how i could get through this really tricky bit um uh, if it was a, if it was 
Max's shape with this or, or uh, um, you know, or, or just getting through some of the problems. Sometimes when you, you just get to a stage and you think, I, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. So, well, In more polite company, we would call that hints, but in quieter company, we call that cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could please find folks uh, bowing to the east first here. Uh, Mr. Paul, could you let our listeners know where they could find you and your many personalities? <laughs> well, I, my my podcast is Child Life Podcast. We're, um, we're around the time of our 200th episode at Time of Speaking. Um, by, I also help out on a podcast called Round the Archives, which is about some of the subjects we've been talking in this episode, old TV and um, my, two of my oldest friends, Andrew and Lisa, that's their show. And uh, uh, I, ha- I also have a blog, um, shayeti.com. And yeah, th- those are the, 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 main, the main areas. I, some of my books are now available on Amazon. Um, compilation of my poetry called Shayeti's Greatest Hits. Um, and uh, the Shalife Sha script book, uh, those those are two of my more recent books that are available, sort of easily accessible. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, to the West Coast here, uh, perhaps maybe getting ready closer for, for lunch shortly. Mr. Mm. Matt, could you let our fine folks know where they can find more of your fabulousness? Sure. But you didn't ask me about gaming. World of Warcraft, Diablo 3, and by the way, I love Rob Roberts. <laughs> we, he's, he's a Sacramento boy, you know. Yes, we're, we we are rubbing the forehead for luck of the pod daddy of Vogue Network. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, for me, uh, Chubb's Gone Wild over at Chubb'sGoneWild.com. Uh, the Big Gay Sex Show is making a comeback uh, starting in November. So uh, that will be over at BigGaySexShow.com, which uh, will be up soon. Um, coupled with its uh, sister podcast, Dirty Words. Um, also we have, uh, my new audiobooks uh, just came out, uh, how an abused housewife murdered her cheating husband and met the man of her dreams is now on audiobook. Um, and that's over on audible. And then my other one, perfect match is coming out in two weeks. Um, just in time for the holidays. Uh, I think that's that's it. Uh, JustKissTheGuy.com is my web. There, there we go. Excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us for this fair afternoon in the park. And <laughs> if you folks will stay tuned here, we'll have some uh, more fine programming on its way. Thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. This program can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. You can email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us on Twitter at tfndj, find our fan page on Facebook, and our companion blog on Tumblr, or text or leave a message at 720-230-6919. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.